This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Oh, hi, Mark. On a Sunday in the great, big, beautiful, it's the beautiful city of Chicago. I am Mark Grody, here with you for the next three hours on Chicago Sports Radio 670. The score, tons to do, tons to discuss. One o'clock, Evan Altman from Cubs Insider will be on. Cubs Cardinals, money game of a three-game series in St. Louis tonight and on the score starting at 5.30. Zach Zabin will have the pregame. Pat Hughes, Ron Coomer will call the game like they do. Bears talk with Mark Potash at 2 o'clock, and sometimes we spray to other fields with Mark Potash. I like to get him wound up, so we'll see if if I can accomplish that right around 2 o'clock today. Bears fans are insatiable right now, and I love that, and insatiable in the good way. They want to continue to be fed information on Justin Fields and Tevin Jenkins and the rest of this Bears team because it is a fascinating year that is coming up for the Bears. Are they better or are they worse? Will Justin Fields play? Will he not? And right now, my favorite question about the Bears, and I started to get into this just a little bit with Hub Arkish the other night and Anthony Heron, and I asked the question to Hub, and that is, what is the QB depth chart? So if Andy Dalton is the Bears' starting quarterback this year, and presumably he will be because that that's what we have to go on right now because that's what we have been told by Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace. They are saying Andy Dalton is a starting quarterback for the Chicago Bears. So if he is, and we're all on board with that plan, when September 12th rolls around and the Bears are in prime time at the Rams and the idea is to let Justin Fields sit down for a few games or whatever, the whole season, half the season, we don't know. Is it the Patrick Mahomes plan? We're not sure. But the plan is, the the hope is for Matt Nagy, at least from his perspective, is to not have Justin Fields playing. So does that mean that on opening night on September 12th, that Justin Fields is not the backup quarterback because you're one injury away then from having to put in Justin Fields, and that would, in theory, 
blow up the Bears' plan, right? That all of a sudden Justin Fields has to come in, comes in cold in the middle of a primetime game, and does that just blow up the entire plan? So my question is something I've been wondering, and Hub doesn't know, and he said that he wanted to ask this question and didn't last time around, is, you know, is Justin Fields even going to be active on the in that first Bears game, let alone the starter? So maybe we're asking the wrong questions about this. And the depth chart is fascinating. And could Nick Foles be the backup? And I, I threw this up on Twitter a couple of weeks ago, and it just like it. It, like it's people are still responding to it, and I haven't had a chance to really follow up since I put that up there. Um, so, so Bears talk at two o'clock, and we'll we'll discuss some of these things. And you are you are more than welcome to jump in anytime and talk Bears if you would like, and get in on that particular question of how do you line up your depth chart if you are the Bears? Will Justin Fields even be uh, active on September twelfth? Three one two six forty four sixty seven sixty seven is my number here at the score. I am also textable at that same number three one two six forty four. 6767. Sean Anderson, the man back in the studio. He just did three hours on hit and run. He is with us again today from 12 to 3. So if you do call, Sean Anderson, the phenom, is the man to whom you will speak and hopefully get on the air and talk to yours truly, Mark Grody, here on the score. So I've also been told that Ryan Terrio was great on hit and run today with Matt Spiegel, the ex Cub, ex Cardinal. Knows both fan bases, also played for Tony LaRussa. So hopefully we'll have a chance to listen. We'll all listen. I did not hear it because I was watching the Cubs game this morning on DVR because last night I attended something which was simultaneously great and awful, which, if I have time, I will share with you a little later on. How is that even possible to do something that is awesome and horrible <laughs> at the same I'm talking about I spent four hours doing something last night that, like I said, was fascinating and enjoying and just miserable and awful at the same time. At 2.45, maybe I could save that for this segment. At about 2.45, I am going to have Rami Makloff on. He is hosting right here on The Score from 3 o'clock right up until Cubs pregame around 5.30. So we will transition with Rami at 2.45. Looking really forward to that. The the man who he leads a double life, Rami Makloff does. So we'll we'll get into that a little bit later on. But 312-644-6767. I'm also on Twitter, at Mark Rody Sports, if you want to do it that way. Instagram, Facebook, I'm there. Find me. We could totally hang out as well. Cubs talk shortly. A lot of Bears coming up. White Sox about to get going. So let me get this in about the the White Sox. The, the White Sox looking to avoid being swept in, in New York by the Yankees. It's not a big deal. I know it sucks, and it has not been a great series for the White Sox and all of that. Lost seven zip yesterday. But there is a there's a surprising White Sox. I'll use the word concern. It's, it's not like it has not reached like level 10 or red alert or anything like that. But there's a White Sox concern bubbling right now. And that's the 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 bullpen. And it you know there, it was wobbly again yesterday. In the a part of that Yankees 7 nothing went over the White Sox yesterday. Yankees fifth, they're up 3 zip, second and third, nobody out. Dylan C still in the game. He strikes out Judge, walks the next guy. 
in comes that guy, Matt Foster, who's just had a weird year this year. He gives up the two-run single to Glabor Torres, who's been hitting the cover off the ball with everything. But it just it's not a good sign. That put the Yankees up five zip at the time. Um, Yankees sixth, old Mike Ford, the puffy Mike Ford with a home run against Matt Foster as well. So he's had his troubles. Evan Marshall struggled yesterday, and I know he got out of a high-leverage situation yesterday, but he he had the benefit of a line-drive double play. It was not soft contact for Evan Marshall yesterday, and then he gave up the game-winning hit as well. So actually, it was two days ago get my days mixed up here but you get my point there's been this there's been concerns you know um michael kolpak i still feel really good when he gets the baseball even though he struggled for like the first time this year against the yankees liam Hendricks, he he is not locked in yet that that's what i'll say about liam like when he gets the baseball and he goes in he's had his saves and he has gotten out of jams but he sure gets into him and has not gotten out of all of them so it's something that i didn't think that we would have to worry about and let me take you back to earlier this season before the season i don't think anybody thought that Sox fans were going to have to worry about the bullpen and that included Steve Stone who a couple of months back was a guest on the Bernstein and Rahimi show I think I said this earlier when they got Liam Hendricks I still think it's one of the top five bullpens in all of baseball and I'll probably be talking about this ad nauseum Steve but it's for good reason I don't know that we can fully even describe what we're going to get until we see it in real games well I think by saying it's one of the top fives, Layla, I think you might be underselling it just a touch. I think it's going to be one of the top two. Um, I, I do believe when you look at the depth and the diversity of this bullpen, and you take a look at the back ends. Okay, so the back end is obvious. you got Liam Hendricks, who probably will close most of the time. And then you have Crochet and you have Bummer. I think Aaron Bummer still is underrated. I think he's one of the best pitchers around. And Crochet, I just don't believe a whole lot of people are going to hit him. Then you add Kopech to that mix when he learns what he's doing out there, which he looks like he's in the process of doing. He's added to guys like Evan Marshall. And and, um, uh, you look at the pen, you don't even mention Hoyer's name, and yet you look at his stuff and you look at his numbers from last year to go along with Foster. I mean, there's guys out there that can really get it done. They're going to be the envy of most teams, and very few teams are going to want to get into that bullpen. So I think uh, all year long, if the starters protect them just a little bit, and you would think with Giolito eating up a lot of innings, as you've seen in spring training, and then with Keiko going as five or six, with Lynn going into the seventh and maybe beyond uh, as much as he can, and, and then, you know, you're probably going to protect Cease a little bit because of lack of innings the last couple of years. And then Rodon also, you're going to protect him, but they can certainly give you five. Uh, I, I think the bullpen's going to be strong all year long. Yeah, you know what, and that that's what we were all saying. This is not like me trying to dog Steve Stone and say, look, he was wrong, he was wrong. This is what we were all saying. This was the part of the team that I was able to say, all right, bullpen's going to be great. Push them to the side, which is probably stupid on my part because bullpens are always volatile. They are that by nature. Um, you know, they are failed starters, as, as we all know. So that's just the way life works in the bullpen. But I'm still surprised, and it's not an emergency, but there should be a little bit of concern. That has to get better. And on Twitter, at Mark Rody Sports, Johnny Fontaine writes to me, I love how you came up with the new phrase for bad, not locked in. Yeah, because I, I'm not ready to call the bullpen bad yet. And I'm not ready to say, well, you're – 
your billion dollar closer uh, Liam Hendricks is bad yet. Like he's, j- I feel like that's the right way to say it. Like these guys are just not doing what they th- we thought they would do yet. I'm sorry, Johnny Fontaine. They are not locked in yet. So that it's just something, something to monitor. That's that's the way we could put it. Something for Tony Larusa to continue to monitor. And Tony Larusa has gotten better at knowing his personnel and pushing the right buttons and putting the right guys in. But these guys, when they get in there, they haven't done what I thought they would do this year. One other thing on the White Sox yesterday, Dylan Cease. I thought Dylan Cease yesterday, like I thought we were going to see brilliance from him for the first or for that, for the first few innings, at least, that's the way I thought. I thought, okay, Cease is on. This is going to be the goods from him. It's going to be the make good from that horrible loss with the with the triple play the night before and the Sox walk off loss to the Yankees. I was like, all right, this is this is locked in Cease. And then along comes the fourth inning, and Aaron Judge gets the first hit of the game for the Yankees. He had a no hitter going up until that fourth inning. Aaron Judge gets the hit. He walks Gio Urshela. And then he hangs one to Glabor Torres, two-run double, Rugnet Odor, the double. And it just, it came undone. That happens to to Dylan Cease at times. Like, talk about a guy who you just can't quite get a handle on. And I always use this comp, and I, I don't necessarily, no, I don't want it to play out this way. But, I like, it's the Gavin Floyd comp for, for White Sox fans. Gavin Floyd had all the stuff in the world great arm maybe the best arm on the like better than Burley's arm and Garland and all those guys so you want I'd like to see it lock in for Dylan Cease it just it simply has not we see the proverbial flashes and then it doesn't necessarily go anywhere for for Dylan Cease but we'll keep an eye on the White Sox I'm gonna like I'm gonna be here till three so I'll let you know when something goes down in the White Sox game I'm here for you we'll we'll keep you up to date Sean Anderson's back there staring down this Sox game scoreless right now in the the first inning a Dallas Keuchel pitching situation Jake Lamb fought in his second at bat it was great worked him real real good eight at bat or eight pitches in the at bat real good oh he he got out though Okay, hey, hey, he's he's wearing down Jamison Tyone. That's what you want to do, Sean Anderson. You want to wear down the pitcher in that first inning. And uh, Jamison Tyone has not been great so far for the Yankees, but it sure looks like the Yankees' starting staff, I'll use the word again, this is just for Johnny Fontaine, they are starting to get locked in, are the Yankees' starters. So uh, Tyone, a 573 ERA, Keuchel, 444. Dallas Keuchel's kind of been on the every other game plan this year where he's good one game, bad there, at least lately. So hopefully we see good things from Dallas Keuchel today. But like I said, Sean Anderson and I, we will definitely keep you up to date on what is going down in that uh, that White Sox game today. As for the Cubs, the Cubs, a little bit later on today, again, 6.08, I believe, is when you will actually hear the, the first pitch of the ball game thrown, and you will hear it right here on 6.70, the score. And that pitch, uh, yeah, again, 6.08 tonight, Cubs and Cardinals. It is the true money game, the rubber game of that three-game series. The Cardinals with a 2-1 win over the Cubs last night. This, to me, this is the best I've I've seen Edward Alzali. That was that was his most, like, circumstances in St. Louis with a real crowd out there at Bush. That was the best I've seen Edward Alzali. Seven innings, two runs, five hits, struck out six, walked absolutely nobody again like Dylan Cease last night. 
Alzelay didn't allow a hit until the fourth inning. The slider was spot on for most of the game. And I was impressed. I was impressed with the pace with which Alzelay was working. Um, he ran into trouble. Too bad, because it was two-out trouble in the fifth inning. Um, Edmondo Sosa, where are you, Edmondo? And Lane Thomas both uh, teamed up to get the run in. The, Sosa with the triple and the Thomas with the, the sharp single to left field. And then in the sept- seventh inning, Yadier of the Molinas still on the card. I always like to do my cardinal check. Is Yadier Molina still? Yep. Is Adam Wainwright Hee-Haw still there? Yep, they're both still there. They are both there, and I think they're both at least 40 now. I want to say it took. It felt like forever getting those guys to age 40, but I think that they are there now, or at least very close to it. But Yadier Molina with the the home run in the deadly third time through the, the lineup yesterday, and John Smoltz basically called it, talking about how aggressive Yadier Molina is typically the third time through, as many batters are wont to do. But that was a mistake pitch. The, the, as Steve Stone would say, as a slider that didn't slide. And that was the case on that particular play. Even, I don't know if you guys saw this, but they had Jack Flaherty, Jack Flaherty, uh, mic'd up yesterday. Not mic'd up. They did like the in-game interview with Jack Flaherty, the outstanding pitcher for the St. Louis Cardinals. And even he at one time got sidetracked watching Adbert Alzola and said, he's good. He's good. That's some good stuff. So it was good to see that. So that, that was my big takeaway, even though a loss for the Cubs yesterday, encouraging for Adbert Alzola that he was, he was excellent um, in that game. All right. Now I'm, I just put my head up here and watching the White Sox. And I see a, a nice catch made by the center fielder. It looks like a catch. And then I see Tony LaRussa out there jawing with the home plate umpire. And I can only presume that he he thought that that wasn't a catch on Anderson. Is that is that what I'm to, to suspect on this particular play? I would believe so. And it looks like a catch to me. Okay. Yeah, it does look like a catch. Hey, hey, you know what he's doing? He's protecting his players. That's what Tony's doing. Mm. He's out there going to bat for him he's going to bat for you sean you understand that yeah i don't i don't believe that <laughs> the rest of the season is just one big make good he, he finally Tony realized Tony. that they can replay in 2021 <laughs> yep they are going to replay it does look like it's a catch in in center field and uh yeah this is crucial you know first and second there would be two outs in the first inning no score we will keep you up to date we will let you know exactly what what happens other thing from the from the from the cubs game um the i think i saw the best i saw one thing i don't think i've ever seen in a game and one thing that i think was maybe anthony rizzo's best base hit of all time now rizzo's had a couple of of shift destroyers in his life where he pokes the ball in the left field or he's pushed bunts a couple times and everybody gets a good chuckle. But yesterday, Anthony Rizzo had a single that, you know, usually, well, always, you have the second baseman when they line up against Rizzo basically playing a shortened version of right field, and then you have your standard right fielder, in this case, Tommy Edmond at second base for the Redbirds, the right fielder one Lane Thomas. 
And I'll be damned if Rizzo didn't poke it just over the head of Tommy Edmond and just before the waiting glove of Lane Thomas. Like, it was like a perfect chip shot in golf. And Rizzo kind of, you know, did the, the sign to the heavens that he was able to pull that off. Because I will never forget in... When I was doing the Cubs, I think it was 2016, I was doing a Q&A with Anthony Rizzo and then player David Ross for some advertisers at Wrigley Field in the little, the little center field sweet dugout area. And I asked Rizzo, we got into the shift, and hey, what do you think? Yeah, hey, baseball's, because that's when the shift was really start. Like, everybody's shifting now. It's no longer a novelty. And I asked Rizzo, and before I could even get... The, the words out of my mouth, big crowd of people watching, you know, hanging on every word that Rizzo says. And I'm like, Anthony, what do you think about this? I hate it. I hate it. Whoever came up with the shift, I can't stand it. Next question. So, so, it, so whenever Rizzo beats the shift, I feel like I know a little bit more intimately how good he feels about that happening. And then the other thing that I, the one thing that I don't think I'd ever seen in a, baseball game before and i'm sure it's not unprecedented was ninth inning nico horner lays a bunt down the third baseline the catcher yadier molina and the third baseman nolan arenado they're doing the they're trying to let it go foul as you know how everybody kind of hovers over the baseball and you just kind of they're hoping it to to go foul and as soon as it does you grab the baseball right so so nothing no funny stuff happens it stays foul he grabs it but Arenado, the ball still was on the chalk. He he missed it. The umpire immediately, I think it was Phil Cuzzy, immediately calls fair ball, and it's a hit. They argued a non-reviewable play, but I I've never seen that where the a premature touching of the baseball, and it happens to all of us, and it happened to Nolan Arenado in that particular spot. All right, we're gonna take our first break. When we come back. There was some interesting audio from the the Cubs game, Cubs Cardinals yesterday. It was it was a Fox game, so you had Ken Rosenthal, baseball insider, doing his thing, and they kind of gave their two cents. You know, there was some reporting from Ken Rosenthal, and then Joe Buck and John Smoltz giving their two cents on the Cubs free agents to be and how Jed Hoyer, the president of baseball operations for the Cubs, will deal with this team. A, at the trading deadline, or in the offseason, or just going forward, because we're all watching the Cubs games, and I know you Cubs fans are enjoying Cubs fans and uh, Cubs games, and hopefully you will eventually be going to Cubs games when they are back home at Wrigley Field, and capacity is back up. There is the Cubs now, but the Cubs in the future is more important than what the Cubs are doing now. We will discuss that next. Mark Grody here with you until 3 on Chicago Sports Radio 670, the score. Nachos first, then you get the ball. This is a business. This is business. I'll teach you life lessons early. You get the nachos, you get the ball. He wanted the sign ball first, and I told him that's not how business goes. I was negotiating with him, and I know, I mean, I, I tried to teach him a lesson, but I caved and gave him the ball first. But they did bring the nachos down, but. The, uh, the protocols, I don't think the protocols allow us to take stuff from fans right now. So yeah. I just went with the smart approach and uh, said thank you, but I can't. Nachos. 
It's actually Jake Arrieta's fault that Anthony Rizzo was not able to accept nachos from a youngin in St. Louis. That was hilarious. Mark Rohde with you here on Chicago Sports Radio 670. The score, Anthony Rizzo mic'd up during the Fox game yesterday. And, uh, yeah, if you didn't get what was going on, Rizzo standing at the dugout, a, a young boy wanting the baseball from Rizzo, and Rizzo saying, get me some nachos, man, and I'll get you the baseball. Rizzo has reached that point in his baseball life where, hey, man, I don't have to give baseball to fans to create goodwill. Do you know who I am? I'm like... I'm Mr. Cub Part 2, and I'm insane. I don't have to give you this baseball unless I get my chips smothered in cheese from you right now. He did give the baseball to the kid. The worst part was, like, so you're watching it, and you're, the mentality is, or at least mine was, and I bet a lot of people watching, okay, all right, Anthony, just, just give give the kid the ball. Just just give him the ball. Let, let he, He's six or whatever. And then Fox pans away from it. That You start to see Rizzo's hand go out presumably to give the baseball to the kid and Rizzo cleared it up right there that he gave him the baseball but Fox didn't show the Rizzo giving the baseball to the kid so strike one to to Fox and we're gonna hear more from the Fox broadcast here in just a second about some big picture stuff with the Cubs that I know you will be interested in but I told you I'd like to hear from you today 312-644-6767 is the phone number that said Let's go to Tony in River North. Hi, Tony. You're on the score. Hey, Mark. How you doing? I'm well. How are you, sir? Oh, pretty good. Pretty good. This probably falls under the category of old news by now. I mean, I listened to Spiegel this morning and you and Rosenblum yesterday and the whole week and week plus. La Russa and the uh, home run by your mean on the 3-0 pitch. I just, I just got to get, you know, a remark in here that Absolutely. I don't. I don't agree with the way Larusa handled it publicly and the extent to which he went, you know, uh, really out there with it. But the man was right. Forget the unwritten rule of baseball. We can debate that forever. I'm not going to get into that. But when the manager gives you a three, a, a take sign, you follow what the manager says to do. And that's what's kind of getting lost. There's two sides to this. Did Larusa handle it correctly publicly? I think no. But was he right? I think that's an unequivocal yes. And I just don't understand why everybody seems willing to overlook the fact that the guy didn't miss the sign. He blatantly ignored it because LaRusso was out there yelling, take, take, take. So I have a problem with that. I do too. Yeah, I don't disagree with that at all, Tony. Like I, I think too that at its base, yes, even if it doesn't feel like it makes sense to you, when there is a sign given you follow that sign. And it's not like it would be outlandish for a player to get in that predicament a a take sign. There are times when I'm okay. Like, I, I guess maybe there's one time, and Tony, thanks for the call. There, there's, there's one time, I suppose, or one specific scenario in baseball where sometimes I'm okay with a player blowing off a coach's signal. And that's running the bases. Like, sometimes... A baseball player will know or have a better feel for whether or not he can score. And and you, yeah, so if the third base coach, a lot of times they'll hold the guy up. Sometimes they will blow off the stop sign because they just know <laughs> they know they're going to be able to score. 
And so that's the only time where not every time it's is it okay, but I think sometimes it is okay. And I don't want to go full blown into the whole Tony Larusa thing because it's been very well covered. I guess the second part of that whole thing is is a larger question of of what is sportsmanship. What what is it right now? Because that that's supposedly what that would have been if. If your mean Mercedes took on the three and O, that is the concept. There is sportsmanship, and I'm all I'm pretty much down with everybody that that this is you know once you put in a position player, all bets are off, and this is baseball. This is a game. You know, hitting home runs is fun and all of that. But where is the line drawn in any sport at this point when it comes like what is sportsmanship? I don't even know. Like it, it as if an NBA team is winning by 20 as as the clock is winding down, typically what happens? The, the team comes down, they dribble it out, nobody takes a shot. Maybe they float one up once the buzzer goes off. But you don't see guys shooting, jacking up threes at the end of NBA games. What if that starts to happen? Like, is that okay? Is it okay for etiquette to be broken in golf? So this is a, like a way bigger conversation because sports evolve and sports change and as i was saying yesterday with rosenblum that with with the etiquette and the sportsmanship that tony Larusso was attempting to to show half of baseball probably agreed with tony and not just managers players players believe it or not they probably like so change is occurring and change can be painful. It's, it's, no, nobody should have expected it to happen overnight. It, it might take five years for the unwritten rules of baseball to change. And everybody is so pissed off at Tony because you want this change to have occurred now. And uh, that's just not the way the world works. Can I chime in just, here, though, Grody? Yeah, because sure. I, I do think the narrative that your mean ignored the sign is just wrong because Astadio in 40 seconds through 40 pitches, and Tony Larusa is 76 years old, and I don't think has this booming voice that if he's screaming, take, 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 your mean can actually hear it. And also, Tony said that when he started seeing your mean load up, that's when he started to go out and say, take, take, take. So I don't think your mean ignored the sign at all. He just missed the sign. I don't think that it was truly a rookie mistake, and it's blown up because the manager didn't help his guy out. Yeah, I don't know. It that's this is a hard one because your main Mercedes and and this White Sox team have a that free feeling about them, which is mostly good. So I don't know. I, I tend to think that he blew off the sign. But, I mean, it's possible. It is possible that, that he didn't hear it or didn't know in that particular circumstance. I don't know. It's hard because then, then we just get into who, who do you believe, what do you believe, um, and that part of it I, I simply don't know. Here's the interesting part, too. It's going to happen again. There's, there's going to be another scenario this year, not necessarily that exact one, but it will occur again this year. In a White Sox game, whether by the White Sox or by an opponent, something similar will happen, something then we'll get into the old school, new school, etiquette, sportsmanship, gamesmanship, all of that kind of stuff. 
and it is it is very complicated. It is very tough. And like I said yesterday too, there are uh, everybody gets pissed off about unwritten rules. Maybe the unwritten rules of baseball are bad, but there's unwritten rules in just about every single occupation that exists. There are things that that, that you follow, protocols that you follow that you just kind of know that that if you do that, you could do that. You could do that, but it would be stupid if you were to do that. It's just the way it works. Um, you know, I, I I'll give you one example when I guess it was yeah I was on the Cubs beat there and, and you know we're all breathless to get stuff out on Twitter and there was an understanding amongst reporters and I don't know if it's still the same with the with the Cubs core of reporters that none of us would tweet anything during while the person was talking we would wait until after the person was talking so we would all have the you know if you're asking a question you can't be tweeting so it was sort of an un it was it was an unwritten rule of courtesy towards each other and if somebody was a step out of line then we would uh you know somebody from the media would would scold you that's just the way it worked so there are unwritten rules that exist in every occupation that's just one in our business doesn't mean that they are good unwritten rules but i don't know why we always act like you know unwritten rules are stupid they're no everybody's got them they're they are in life in life, they, they exist. Unwritten rules, that's the way we get by. We self-police. Some of them are stupid, but it's not unprecedented to have this thing happen. And again, half of baseball probably agreed with what Tony LaRusso was trying to do in the game. The, of course, and Tony is right from River North, the way Tony LaRusso handled it was awful. Awful from the from calling the guy out and, and basically saying, yeah, you know, I kind of get it if Minnesota is going to throw at one of our guys, and sure enough, they did, which they would have done no matter what Tony LaRusa had said, but but still, it it's it's very interesting. Let's go to, so okay, we got tangled up in this topic, 312-644-6767, it's Mike in Hawthorne Woods. Hi, Mike, you're on the score. Hi, we're enjoying the show here, but I just wanted to add something to this. Okay. Every manager knows that when you're correcting a person and you do it in public and you pile on, you've lost the whole point. This man yeah. should not be the manager of the White Sox. I've been a Sox fan since the 59 World Series, which I attended. It's just crazy that this man is a manager. And not only that, there's something wrong with Rick Hahn and the whole team. Can't somebody tell LaRusso to shut up about this or apologize? If this one, one point I really want to make, the White Sox, have leadership it's a hispanic leadership and tony la Russa is lucky that that's the case and it's not basically an american team because the hispanic people respect authority even if they don't like the manager they're going to respect him had this been a different type of team he'd be gone the next day and that's what i have to say it's a huge failure it's taking away from a great team that they've built rick renteria Never did anything that harmed the White Sox as much as Larusa did this this week. Mike, thank you for the call. I will say this: like, yeah, he he's he's right about the fact that right now, firing Ricky Renteria was like Ricky Renteria would be, would probably have been a better manager to this point for the White Sox than Tony Larusa, and I. I don't think anybody disagrees about Tony having mishandled this thing publicly. 
And uh, but th- this thing that that happened, th- this is not the part of what Tony La Russa has done that would make me wonder about his ability to manage. For me, it's still the mistakes that he has made throughout, like the X's and O's, the as Sean Anderson indicated, the. The, the replay, the remark he made about replay, because earlier in the season, I think it was the first game where he didn't review something that he should have and could have and didn't necessarily know that. The not having somebody up in the bullpen earlier this year when I believe it was our guy Matt Foster who was was pitching in a in a road game. And there there was that. There was the the complete breakdown of not knowing the rules and having your reliever out there running the bases and a guy trying to steal second base in Leori Garcia in that same game. So it is the it is the te- the the relationship that he has had so far this year with his pitchers and getting to know them and specifically Lucas Giolito and leaving him in too long and Giolito basically saying, "Yeah, I was gassed, man." So it is like it's the Xs and Os that I am looking to when it comes to to Tony Larusa, this was a big deal. This whole thing, the the three and zero swing by your mean Mercedes. Don't get me wrong, but if we want to talk about whether evaluating Tony Larusa, I'm still evaluating him more on what's gone on in game. You could even say some of the the lineup constructions at time. Like that's more fair game where you see it like. We shouldn't all be able to sit there and watch a manager lose a game and know for sure that his tactical uh, decision blew a game. Like, we shouldn't be able to see all that. Players know, but we should. it shouldn't be glaring to us. Glaring to us should be an error made by a player, a mental mistake. Uh, Dallas Keuchel making an error on the mound just an inning ago. That's the kind of stuff that we should look at and say, yep, that was bad, that was not good, that shouldn't have happened. It shouldn't be the Hall of Fame manager who, you know, we from the rank and file are looking at and saying, that guy made a mistake there, 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 and there. And in many of those cases, it may be because of the manager that you you lost the games. And here's the good news for you, White Sox fans. And I appreciate having you, you guys hanging in there and then listening to me during a White Sox game. Sox trail the Yankees, by the way, 2 nothing right now in the top of the second. The good news is this. Talent rises to the top. The White Sox are loaded with talent you know that and every win is awesome right now still without your two boppers in center and left field this is a damn good baseball team and i still say even though the yankees have handled the white Sox so far (laughs) this is uh, the white Sox are better than the yankees this series has been more of a test for the Yankees than it has been for the White Sox. And so, so far, guess what? The Yankees are passing their test. And as was pointed out in the, the Cubs broadcast yesterday before the game started, Joe Buck and John Smoltz were saying, yeah, that you could tell that the, the Cubs wanted this want this series more because, or at least they acted like that in the blowoff or the blowout in the first game because they're the team chasing and they've got the chip on their shoulder and the Yankees are playing the same way because they know the White Sox are better, so they're like, we gotta we gotta really get out here and get after it. And so far, the Yankees are they are again leading the White Sox two to nothing 
uh, early in that game. But the White Sox right now, 26-18, and 18, a game and a half up on Cleveland in the American League Central. Damn it, Indians, go away. That's what the White Sox need. They need like a seven-game lead in the division just so they can lick their wounds a little bit and, you know, get to a six-man rotation and figure out their bullpen. They need a little bit of breathing room, but Cleveland just keeps on being annoying to the to the Chicago White Sox. Hopefully that goes away eventually. 312-644-6767 is the number. I'm Mark Grody here with you until 3 o'clock. Evan Altman will be with us to talk Cubs at the top of the hour on Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. What's up? It's a Grody show. Solo Grody with you until 3 o'clock on Chicago Sports Radio 670. Score, Ronnie Mackloff will be in after me. He will take you up to Cubs pregame around 530. Looking forward to having a conversation with Rami. We're going to transition about uh, 245 or so. Evan Altman of Cubs Insider will join me at 1 o'clock. Mark Potash talking Bears at 2 o'clock. And uh, you are welcome at any time. 312-644-6767 is the number, like John in Dallas. He joins me now on the score. Hi, John. Hey, how's it going? I'm enjoying the show. I think we're I think we making a mistake here. I think we're riding the loose wrongly. And the reason I say is, if we all go to work Monday, because of a few mistakes we make on the job, the other employees say, let's fire, let's fire them, let's fire them. We None of us would have a job. We're in first place. <laughs> We're in first place. What are we moaning and complaining about? Come on, if, if if we had another coach and we was in third or fourth, we'll be we'll be really be fussing. We ain't got nothing to be fussing about. We in first place. <laughs> I do like your attitude, John and Dale. Thank you, man. Thanks for calling. You're right. At the at the very base of it, very surface of it. You are correct. The White Sox are in first place. Life is good. It's starting to look like we thought it was supposed to look before the season started. But sometimes you could, even in a team that is in first place, you can see holes and you can make it better. And what White Sox fans want, and I don't doubt that you want this yourself, John, you want you don't want the White Sox to just win the division or be a wild card. You want the White Sox to get into and hopefully win the World Series. That's what this team is built to do right now. So if you can look at a position of weakness and make it better or criticize it into making it better in the case of Tony Larusa then you're going to do it. So some of this is just fanatic mentality, like the the idea of, you know, what we do and discussing holes and making tightening up things that are bad even if there is um, even if it is amongst so much good and that yeah, I, I get it. Like fire it it's it could be rough sometimes. Like sports is so different from everything else in life because it, it is part of the game of what we do in Sports Talk Radio and what fans do. And we do throw that word firing around very carelessly and sometimes recklessly. I get it. But that's that's part of it, dare I say. So, But I appreciate the call, John. I mean, and I think everybody, at the, at the end of the day, yes, White Sox fans are waking up and life is good because your team is in first place, albeit a little fragile with Cleveland right on your butts. 
Hold on to your butts. They're one and a half um, up on the Cleveland Indians right now, and the White Sox right now trailing the New York Yankees 2-0 in the bottom of the second inning. So, Shawnee, let me tell you what I did last night. Last night I did something simultaneously wonderful and horrible. So those two things, can those two things occur um, in life? Man, I keep saying in life today, but it did. So last night I went to a drive-in concert with three friends of mine. They have a a drive-in concert in the Pilsen neighborhood, and it's a beautiful evening. I'm with three of my best friends, and it's kind of a, like, we didn't have to stay in our cars for it. Like, it was like a picnic atmosphere, and people had boom boxes out there that were synced up with the screen. So we were just, we were out there. It was like being at Ravinia, you know what I mean? Like, eating hummus and things like that. So watching this this concert the concert happened to be bon jovi um what? now yeah yeah bon jovi like bon he jovi. was performing in pilsen or was it like you no, were no no watching... no it was a, it, it was like a movie like like they they was pre-recorded right so it's it's bon jovi pre-recorded on a big screen outside drive i guess they've been doing these things throughout the pandemic you know every bands are trying to figure out how they can present their material in a safe way so so it's a very cool atmosphere, but it is Bon Jovi. And here, okay, so here's where I am with Bon Jovi. When I was in high school, I loved Bon Jovi. They were cool, okay? They just were. It was like Bon Jovi and Def Leppard. This is pre-grunge when I when I became me. But back then, I did. I liked Bon Jovi, and then I stopped liking them because I got so into grunge and like all that stuff just seems so cheesy. But now, you know, I'm older. And you just kind of get into the irony of that music and, you know, the hair metal, which I despise. But now I'm like a little more tolerant of it. And I think it, it, it just seemed like a fun thing to do. And it was wonderful because I was with my friends on a beautiful night sitting outside, beautiful skies, beautiful area. It was just it was lovely. And then, you know, you'd expect like Bon Jovi to come out and just play their hits. Their first hour and a half of this thing was them playing songs none of us had ever heard like not playing the hits and i'm like what the hell is going on here and then i was like i told one of my friends i go you know what i bet they have a new album out and sure enough i go on wikipedia and there it was 2020 bon jovi a new album and they were just playing all of the stupid songs (laughs) Their new album, like I'm okay with it with any band where they because at some point in time in any concert a band will say, hey I hope you guys don't mind we're gonna play a little something off our newest album, uh and and you're like okay that's cool we get done but they like play the entire thing and then they wait until literally the last five songs to to do their hits by then you know it was like that's enough that's enough so simultaneously great and horrible i don't regret going i uh, i just will rethink it i've i've checked that off my list going to see white-haired bon john bon jovi on a screen in the pilsen neighborhood at it uh, outdoors which could have been great could have been great if it was if they'd played the fun stuff but they just they would not play the game with us and we got to hear their 2020 album so 
it was uh, not great, but it was great. All right, I'm glad I got that off my chest. When we come back, let's dig into the Cubs. Evan Altman, Cubs insider. I'm Mark Grody. Cubs next on Chicago Sports Radio 670, The Score. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.